It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the June 25th episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. want to thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Over the next half hour, we are going to be talking about some big stories concerning the Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. Well, all the big stories, because that's what we do here on Locked On Thunder. It's local experts' biggest stories. And I know, I, I'm, I've always been very uncomfortable with that word expert, but still, I feel like I'm around the Oklahoma City Thunder enough to discuss these and do so intelligently, or at least what I think are intelligently, but you may uh, disagree with that. And you uh, you quite frequently let me know that at G-E-E-H-S-O, which is my Twitter handle. Anyway, Carmelo Anthony decides to re-up for $27.9 million. What ultimately is the effect on the Oklahoma City Thunder? Not only financially, but chemistry-wise. What is Paul George thinking? What is Jeremy Grant thinking? What's going through Sam Presti's head right now? We get to all that in segment number one because there are so many different branches on that tree that it's hard to get it all in a small segment, but we're going to do our best to get it in that first segment. In segment two, we know you want to hear about the draft picks that are that are now a part of the Oklahoma City Thunder, whether it's uh, the guy that we really can't talk about, which is uh, Hamadou Diallo, or at least the Thunder can't talk about him until July 6th because technically he's part of the trade, or Devin Hall or Kevin Hervey. So we get to that, we discuss them, and we also get to hear from Sam Presti and Will Dawkins not only on picking these guys, But what it's like picking so late in the draft, the entire draft process, and taking guys that are older versus your one-and-done type players. And there's some very fascinating discussion in there. So it's it's about as close as you're going to get to a behind-the-scenes look at the Oklahoma City Thunder as anybody is going to have access to, especially for as closely guarded as that team, team is. Will Dawkins and Sam Presti were very open about the draft process and gave us some just fascinating discussion on Thursday night after the NBA draft. And then we will wrap things up in segment number three. And I'll tell you why the most important hire that any organization ever makes is the play-by-play voice, be it television or radio, why that guy is more important than your GM any coaches, any players you have on the team, and why the Oklahoma City Thunder need to understand this. Letting go Brian Davis was a big risk. So now you have to replace him. Getting the right guy, extremely important. My name's Eric G, and if you don't know who I am, I did radio in Oklahoma City here for a while, so maybe this is your first time listening to this podcast. Um, I host a lot of Thunder post games, a lot of Thunder pre games. I'm a credentialed member of the media. I'm around the Thunder as much as possible. I've been covering this team for five years. And if you like what you hear, 
I encourage you to go to LockedOnThunder.com and check out all our archive podcasts as well as video and audio from players, coaches, and front office people. We've got the Sam Presti press conference with Will Dawkins. We've even got Carmelo Anthony's exit interview, which has become an instant classic and is more relevant now than maybe it was even a few weeks ago since we have news on Carmelo Anthony but that's what we have to offer at the LockedOnThunder.com website. So let's get started with the podcast because I think we've had way too much pomp and circumstance so far. So no more fuss and feathers. There you go. Vin Scully writing you a check now. And there it is. All right. Carmelo Anthony re-ups for $28 million with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I, for one, am very excited. There is probably nobody in this city happier than me that Carmelo Anthony is coming back to play for the Thunder. I dare say that I am more happy than the majority of fans, Sam Presti, Russell Westbrook. I mean, whoever has their interest tied to Carmelo Anthony cannot be happier than me because there hasn't been a player in this organization I've enjoyed talking to as much as Carmelo Anthony. Raymond Felton's a close second, but Carmelo Anthony is such a unique individual with so much perspective on stuff beyond basketball. It makes him extremely engaging and it makes you very happy doing the job you're doing. The the fact that you can go talk to this guy every day for a living is a treat. I've said it before. I'll say it a million times after that. Everybody, everybody before you die should get to spend at least half an hour with this guy to pick his brain on on just about any topic because he's got an opinion on it. Despite what you might see on Instagram and Twitter and other social media forums where he's telling you to duck sick if you are one of his haters, which he's not the first guy to do that in the NBA, Carmelo Anthony offers a lot from that perspective. But what is he offering on the basketball court? Because that's mainly what you care about as a fan. Well, what he offers is a third scoring option if, in fact, Carmelo Anthony is willing to accept that role. He also offers a guy, despite what we saw last year, can make baskets in the clutch. He offers locker room solaceness. He he, he offers that, that calming factor that the Thunder so desperately need when you have a personality like Russell Westbrook who has absolutely zero qualms telling guys how they feel, demanding, not just expecting, but demanding of players that they play at an extremely high level. Russ can play bad cop. Carmelo Anthony can play good cop. It's a good thing that he's coming back to Oklahoma City if, and only if, Carmelo Anthony can accept that role. And we know all too well from these comments that Carmelo Anthony was not happy in Oklahoma City this past year. All year, the Thunder, Billy, players around um, the team talked about how much you sacrificed. And um, I, I guess it's kind of two parts. Uh, going into next year, with all the sacrifices you've made, are, are you willing to, if they come to you, say, like, sacrifice the, the salary you're making, you know, maybe restructure what you're doing and spread it out over a certain amount of years? Mm-hmm. Or are you willing to sacrifice um, playing time and, uh, or even a possible bench role? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sacrificing no bench role. So you can. That's out the question. Uh, as far as sacrificing, 
find you know find. I don't even like to talk about finance. You know, finances and the, the the economics of the game of basketball. When that time come, that time will come. Like if and when, you know, we 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 have to sit down and, and talk about what's the future and you know ideas and situations and. That 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 time will come. I honestly don't. I don't even feel comfortable sitting here talking about money when it, money in, in in basketball and because at the end of the day, yeah, we 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 all we all play and we in this this game to take care of our family and make money and make the most money that you could possibly make. But it's it's that's already done. Those contracts are already guaranteed. Like that that's going to happen. Uh, I think for me, my focus would be on kind of figuring out what I want in, in, in out of out of out of the rest of my career uh what I want in 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 in, in my future uh what am I willing to accept and, and if I'm if I'm willing to accept that at all uh I think everybody knows that I've sacrificed uh kind of damn near everything uh Family, you know, moving here by myself, uh, sacrifice uh, my game for the sake of the team, uh, and was willing to sacrifice any and everything in order for this situation to work out. Uh, so it's something I really have to think about if, you know, if if I really want to uh, be this type of player. And finish out my career as this type of player, uh, knowing that I have so much left in, 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 in the tank, and I bring so much to the game of basketball. Uh, and, and 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 if and how long I want to continue to do this, it's, I think that's 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 also a, a thought process as well. Thanks, Melo. Thank you. So now, what is the conversation like? Carmelo Anthony has opted in. He's going to play. The Thunder right now are set to pay him $27.9 million to be a part of this team. And Carmelo Anthony has made it known to anyone that will listen that that he's not going to be just a third option. He's not going to be just some schlep that comes off the bench. He sacrificed a lot. And he's expecting that if this team is going to have success, he's going to be an integral part of this. So how do you convince Carmelo Anthony he's an integral part of this without disrupting all the other deli- all the other delicate chemistry that you have on this team, pissing off Russell Westbrook, alienating Paul George, who still has to make a decision on whether or not he's coming back to Oklahoma City? How do you do that? Well, I'm not sure you can do that. I, I th- th- this isn't this isn't just one of those answers where you can say, "Okay, Carmelo, now that you've accepted this 28 million dollars and you're obviously going to be a part of this team, here's the role you're going to take." No, you're still going to have to convince him, and, and, and I don't know that the Thunder can do that. I, I don't know that. I, I don't think a GM. And Billy Donovan, I don't think Sam Presti and Billy Donovan can convince Carmelo Anthony that in a, air quotes, a diminished role in his mind is beneficial to the team and beneficial to him. He's not the guy. They're they're not the guys to do it. 
I'm not even sure Russell Westbrook and Paul George can do it. The only people that can really convince Carmelo Anthony that being the third, and I know some people are saying the fourth option because I, I guess your you're three options. If you come back with that starting five that you did last year, Russ, PG, Steven Adams are your first three scoring options and Carmelo Anthony is your fourth. But we've seen how the Thunder use Steven Adams. It's just they feed him early and then they go away from him late. And, and theoretically, that should open up Carmelo Anthony to make wide open threes, especially when you're having to account for as many guys on the floor as the Thunder can make you account for offensively. I think Carmelo Anthony listens to a group of confident group of confidants, a group of friends that he has around him. And there's probably some ex-players. Maybe there's some ex-coaches. I would think Jim Beheim is a guy that could get through to Carmelo Anthony. In fact, as I sit here and tell you this, if I'm Sam Presti, that's exactly what I would do. I would be on the phone to Jim Beheim. If I'm Billy Donovan, I would be on the phone to Jim Beheim. And if they couldn't give me suggestions on how to talk to Carmelo Anthony, I would ask Jim Beheim to talk to him and say, this is what we're seeing out of him. I would send Jim Beheim film. I would talk to his former coaches in New York, his former coaches in Denver. Maybe, a, you know, maybe a guy like George Carl could tell you, this is how this guy functions. Now, of course, Carmelo Anthony strikes me as a guy who's matured quite a bit from when he came into the NBA to now and certainly is smart enough to understand that if he's going to help a team win, there are certain things that he can't do anymore and certain things that he's still able to do and he's just, and he's going to have to adapt. And that ultimately it is not a sales job coming from the outside. That's a sales job from within. And Carmelo Anthony has to get his mind right, wrap his head around the situation of, okay, this is what I have to do. Like, if I'm going to be successful, this is ultimately what I'm dealing with from now on. And it's something that Sam Presti talked about, discussed, and was probably more open about than we've ever heard him be when concerning business with the Oklahoma City Thunder that they would like to keep behind closed doors. Yeah, so um, we've had uh, several conversations with uh, his representation, uh, and that's pretty normal course. I, I wish I could tell you a whole lot has changed since the end of the season. We're, we're, we're still in June, and the season doesn't start until October, so I'll you know, we'll continue to have the dialogue going forward. I, I can't speak to, to necessarily what uh, what he's going to do with respect to the early termination option, but um, we have been in touch with, with him and tried to, um, you know, provide him with as much information as we can so he can make the most informed decision, you know, possible. But, and it's pretty well documented, we have, you know, a lot of balls in the air, uh, and it's still June, it's not even July, so... Um, you know, we have, to, we have to see what it is that, that he chooses to do, and then we'll continue to have conversation from there. You're also faced when you're Sam Presti now. You're, Carmelo Anthony is back. Right now, he's in the fold. And yes, you could probably trade him. I would think that that's happening later in the year versus earlier in the, earlier in the year, just because I, I can't see anybody taking on that contract. That, that, that full contract wanting to pay him wanting to pay Carmelo Anthony that much money right now. 
So as the year goes on, it's an expiring contract. You get closer to the deadline. You're paying a lot less for his services than you would. Then Carmelo Anthony may become an attractive piece to, to trade for. You get him, maybe you're in a salary dump, or maybe you're just looking at him as a rental for the rest of the year, depending on what your where your team is and how much of a run you think they might have in them for the playoffs. And with Carmelo, obviously that straps you cash-wise, but we knew that the Thunder were going to be expensive. And Sam Presti said that he was willing to pay and go well into the luxury tax to keep this team together. So what happens with Jeremy Grant, who can make just north of $8 million for some teams, and certainly he's proved himself valuable? Well, you do have to wonder what's going to happen with Paul George. And if Paul George is going to slow play it the way that Kevin Durant did, hopefully Paul George gives you an answer sooner rather than later on his free agency. Maybe you just go ahead and offer Jeremy Grant something and not worry about what Paul George is going to do and just have what Paul George is going to do in the back of your mind, but you you go after Jeremy Grant, you lock him up. I have not discussed Corey Brewer, and I saw Brett Dawson write about him because I'm just assuming Corey Brewer is not coming back because Andre Robertson will be back. And just how much money do you want to spend for this guy who was great last year? But can you really think that Corey Brewer is going to give you that kind of output this coming season, doing it for half a year or more than half a year? Now, granted, you would think Corey Brewer goes back to the bench because Andre Robertson's back. But I think you still have the thunder. You've got questions about Andre Robertson and his health and how effective he's going to be. So all those questions have to be answered. So if you're saying, Preston, just go ahead and sign Jeremy Grant. Bring him back. If you are really worried about him going, first day, July July 1, he opts out. Get a contract done with him. And then let the Paul George thing play out and recruit him to the best of your ability. Seems like the smart play if you're, if you're Oklahoma City, plus you know Grant could be a starter. Raymond Felton, I'm thinking he's coming back. He says he wants to come back. He seems to be willing to play for the veteran minimum. And unless you can find a better point guard, you got to bring Raymond Felton back. If for no other reason, same deal with Carmelo Anthony, just a good guy to have in the locker room. So all these decisions the Oklahoma City Thunder have to make, at least they don't have to worry about Carmelo Anthony at this point. He's back. He's in the fold. And now it's just a matter of finding out how everybody feels about Carmelo Anthony coming back. And and the guy that, that has to feel the best about it is, is Russell Westbrook. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. And when I say that, that means you got to know what Russ is feeling about Carmelo Anthony. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. We are your team every day here at the Locked on Podcast Network. And coming up next... We'll talk about the draft picks and what is it like for the Oklahoma City Thunder during draft night, during the draft process. All those questions get answered here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Draft night came and went last Thursday. And at some point, I've got to take you inside to what it was like. Thursday night into Friday morning, waiting for Sam Presti. Waiting um, waiting an, an hour after they told us he was on his way to come in and do a press conference with the uh, with the media here in Oklahoma City. And honestly, I think we need to get more of our money's worth if we're going to wait that long. Sam Presti needs to make a better intro. He's good. He's been, he's been great. The last two press conferences, Sam has been great with info, but I want a little bit more entertainment value if I'm going to have to wait that long. All right, that's just me being a whiny media guy. And I, and I promise I won't do that again the rest of the podcast. Ah, maybe I will. Anyway, the draft is done. It's over with. The Oklahoma City Thunder have three new players. One, uh, they've got uh, Hamadou Diallo out of Kentucky, who we'll hear more about once he is officially traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder via the Brooklyn Nets slash Charlotte Hornets. Six foot six, 190 pound, 197 pounds out of Queens, New York. 10 points. Three, uh, about four rebounds per game in about 25 minutes. And you've got Devin Hall, who was out of Virginia Beach. And then the guy I'm probably most excited about out of UTA is Kevin Hervey. But Kevin Hervey's a guy that's actually torn both his ACLs. It's hard for me to get too excited about these guys or feel like talking about them all that much because I don't see them making that big of an impact on the Thunder this season, and if they do, one, it's a miracle, and two, it probably states that this team didn't perform up to its expectations. That being said, they could be an integral part of the Thunder's future, divided they pan out in the Summer League and the G League, and with more on them, and what do you do when you're drafting this late in the draft, meaning you don't have any first-round picks, and you're drafting in the 50s, here is Sam Presti and Will Dawkins. We're really excited about the guys that we were able to add this evening. Um, Hall and Hervey are guys that um, I'm going to have Will talk about more specifically. But uh, anytime you're you're picking in the in the, the late 50s, there, you know, really your main objective is just to try to shift the odds the best that you can and give yourself a chance of uh, finding a, a player that has a chance to to play in the NBA. Uh, we've had, you know. Some, some luck with respect to, to that in the past, just with uh, finding Dakari, uh, Samaje, and, um, and we're hopeful of Daniel Hamilton as well, just as guys that can find a way to, to play some games in the NBA in that area of the draft. And if, if one of these guys or both these guys are able to do that, we'll feel really good about that. Um, but, um, uh, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of basketball to be played before that takes place. So I'll have Will uh, talk about each guy, and then we'll open it up for any questions. Thanks, Sam. Uh, good evening. Obviously, like Sam said, when you're picking later in the draft, um, the odds are a little less of what you're going to come up with. But the way we've kind of post draft is the same every year, um, and we and we went about it the same way um, with the same amount of detail, trying to make sure we were prepared for tonight. And knowing that you have those picks going in makes it helpful from the beginning of the year. And we're able to come away with two guys tonight that we feel fit our program as people, um, character guys that are going to come in and work and kind of embody some of the things that we look for on the basketball court, but off the basketball court. I guess I'll start with Hall. 
um, from Virginia, Virginia kid, Virginia Beach kid. We had him in here for a workout. We actually got time with him at the Portsmouth Invitational as well. So we feel like we know him really, really well. Um, been able to see him practice and play for, for a while now because he's a, he's a veteran player. So when you get guys who have been through it, uh, top teams in the country, play high-level ACC basketball, you're always happy to add those guys into the program. Um, he's a guy who was an all-ACC defender. Um, he's a guy who improved his shooting every single year he was in college, um, attempts and accuracy. So he's been able to play on the ball, off the ball. Um, we're, we're interested in seeing him just kind of get on the floor and just kind of fit in with our other wings um, and have a chance to play there. With Kevin Hervey, um, he's a guy, as you guys know, have had some injury issues in the past, um, local as far as Texas down in UT Arlington, local kid who ended up going, staying at home, um, had some bigger offers but decided to stay home and, and made the best of his opportunities. So he's also a four-year player. We've seen him play for a while. Got used to seeing him going to practices really, really comfortable. Um, at his size, 6'9", with the wingspan at 7'3", that's something we really look for and we value. Um, and he's a person that has been able to stretch the floor on offense, make some plays, cover a different couple positions. So those are players that we are excited about when we got an opportunity to, to add them to the organization. The other thing about both of these guys is they're not one-and-done guys. And here's the thing. Ask me on any given day how I feel about it. On one hand, I'm all about the one-and-done because they don't have as much wear and tear on their body. And I understand that they are drafted based on potential. And if they're really talented, it's better to get them acclimated to the NBA game earlier just because of what it takes to go from playing, what, however many games you play in college. So 40-something, if you're lucky, 30-something to 82 in an NBA regular season. Plus, you've got to get them used to the physicality. So I'm all about that. But when I look at a guy like Trey Young, well, I'm not real excited about coming into the NBA right now. I do like the guys that may have been a little bit more mature and have had time to work on their skills and play and know what it's like to be a part of a team and now just needed to take their game to the next level. Plus, there's much more. There, there's a better maturity factor there where they, they get, maybe they might understand what it's like to be a professional now and, and at least understand some ins and outs of life a little bit better than a kid who is 18, 19 years old trying to acclimate to the NBA. Here's Will Dawkins on having a better, having a better understanding of what these guys bring to the table because you've had a chance to see them a little bit longer. I wouldn't see it. I wouldn't say it's something we went into the draft, making sure we wanted to do. Um, But again, when you're picking later in the draft, some of those more experienced guys are on the board um, and you also know they're going to be in the draft. So you've been preparing for them for a longer time. Uh, but both those guys bring veteran presence is that you wouldn't get from a rookie. Um, and that experience and the ability to been through some wars and been against high-level games already, that's valuable when you're really evaluating them. Well, how do you evaluate those guys? Both those guys improved quite a bit as shooters over the course of their careers. How do you, how do you evaluate them as a regular shooter? So it really helps when you get multiple looks at guys because some of like he was saying, some of the freshmen you only get to see once. We get to go see these guys practice a couple times each year. So by the end of it, you're really looking at the mechanics. You're really studying what they're changing. Um, and our, our scouts and our evaluators, they go out and they work really, really hard. So if they've seen these guys each year, they're documenting it each year, and then you really get to break it down and watch them. Um, so it's helpful to kind of see the, reputations that, the repetitions that they're getting in. And those guys work 
we talk to the coaches, we talk to the staff, and we know who's really putting work in, and, and we expect those guys to get better, and they did, and that's what actually intrigues us about them, some of the things. And then finally, there's the entire draft process that you have to go through, and Sam Presti made it clear that you've got to evaluate everybody in the draft. Even when you are picking as late as the Thunder are, you still have to evaluate guys like Mar- Michael Porter Jr. and Trey Young and Mobamba because you never know what might fall to you or what might happen that night if somebody's going to call you with a proposed trade. So you have to be ready for that. Sam Presti, Will Dawkins on what it's like for the Oklahoma City Thunder, not only on draft night, but from kind of the beginning to the never-ending process that the draft did. Yeah. What um, is a wheel? <laughs> spin that sucker. Really. Pretty much just throw darts at the board. No. Actually, uh, this as well. It, it's a long process like Sam talked about. Um, from tomorrow morning, we'll, we'll gather and kind of recap things we did, things we did well, um, kind of how we mapped out the year and from last season to get here and kind of start from the very beginning, um, getting ready for the 2019 draft. So when it comes down to the draft night, and we, we usually have our board set to where we kind of have met with our strategy side and met with the valuation side and put our best process together to put a, a flow on our board to where we have the players ranked and we kind of go through and go through and knock them off as they're going through. So we put a lot of time into it ahead of time um, to get those lists right. And then obviously the draft is a draft. you got to be able to fluctuate, and Sam does a great job of going off field and making the best decision for the team. But we try to be as set as possible when we go in there with a list. Hardest thing for evaluators, in my experience, having been in that position before, is um, you can feel like you've got a really good handle on the draft with respect to who the players are going to be and, and where they are and who they potentially can be. But then that has to merge itself with like the team strategy with respect to cap and um, uh, you know uh, long-term planning, all these different aspects that now become part of like team building and, and, and organizations and how you sustain them. And so, you know, it's hard because sometimes you might have things in a certain order, but in order to plan for the future or uh, identify a certain spot on the roster that you have to uh, plan for two, three, four years in advance, the board doesn't go exactly the way you want. Um, and I give, our, I give our evaluators a ton of credit because they do so much work and then they essentially hand that off to the, the 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 group of people that have to manage, you know, not just this season, but four or five, six, seven years down the line, as we you know as we try to put a competitive performance plan together to help our team and organization. Um, and it doesn't mean you just go right off the right off the list. You you rank the list based on the the value of the player to your organization, not just on the floor, but also strategically as well. Um, it's, it's. I think it's hard. Not hard, but I think it's a challenge sometimes to see to see all that stuff happen. Think you have it, and then like we have to maneuver certain ways and do certain things that may not be exactly the way the scouts see the players. But um, that's why we have such a great group of guys and, and girls that work together and understand that everyone's got a role that they have to play. And um, we've been really lucky. We've been together for quite a long time, uh, so we have a, a lot of fun doing it. And understand that you know everyone's <laughs> every, everyone's got to understand that everyone has a job to do. So, um, but it's I, I really enjoy these nights because you get to see a lot of um, you know people that 
live we've got people that live uh, overseas we have people that live on the west and the east and you know they come in periodically but to get them all together at one time is pretty cool Nazi was with us tonight uh, it was a great experience for him I think to be in the draft room for the first time um, so you know th- these are fun nights and um, you know we'll see we'll see if they were successful down the line but but we enjoy it you know as we're going through it what's a ballpark figure how many people you evaluators mean just uh, the number of evaluators or the number of just the whole process we're talking about your scouts oh man i don't know in the room tonight um i would say around 18 people and if you don't know the Nazi they were talking about, that was Nazi Muhammad. This is the Oklahoma City Thunder Locked On Thunder podcast. I am Eric G., your gracious and humble host. We are part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Coming up, we will wrap up the Locked On Thunder podcast, and I will tell you why the most important hire anybody can make in an organization is, in fact, your play-by-play guy. We'll tell you about that next. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The most important decision that the Oklahoma City Thunder will make here in the next few weeks is not re-signing Paul George, not re-signing Jeremy Grant, or what to do with Carmelo Anthony. It's who's going to be the next play-by-play guy of this team. Who's going to be the TV voice of the Oklahoma City Thunder? And when athletes hear that, they freak out. Well, it's got to be the players. The, the, the play-by-play guy has, has got to be able to talk about the players. Ha- they have to be on the court or on the field for them to describe something true. But the athletes aren't relating to the fan. The athletes aren't telling the story. And when you think about any great moment, just any great moment that happened with the Boston Celtics, there's always a Johnny Most call to go along with it. You can YouTube it now, and I will not impersonate it because I cannot do it justice. But so many of the great calls in Celtics history, or so many of the great moments, have his call behind them. Just YouTube them today. You'll get a great, you'll get a kick out of it. People call Johnny Most a homer, but he represented how Boston fans felt. Giants win the pennant. Giants win the pennant. And Bobby Thompson's shot heard around the world. That's what we remember the most about that home run. A great example of this is David Locke, who runs the Locked On Podcast Network. When him and I did a podcast together, and I'll admit, I was completely out of my depth trying to deal with numbers and analytics and stuff that that David is, is very good at. I got so many social media responses from Utah Jazz fans that loved seeing me get shredded It told me that David was their guy. That David had their back. That's what they believed. The play-by-play guy relates to the fans in a one-on-one relationship, both on the mic and off. You're a play-by-play guy. When a fan meets you, you have to be able to talk to them as if you've known that person forever because they feel like they've known you forever. 
And in a lot of cases, think about Vin Scully for a second. Vin Scully, longtime voice of the Dodgers, started off in Brooklyn, moved with them to Los Angeles. Vin Scully is the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is more integral to their history than Tommy Lasorda ever will be. And that's not to diminish Tommy Lasorda's role, but Vin Scully is that one person that the fans relied on for so long to get them through good seasons, great seasons, and bad seasons. Harry Carey. Harry Carey may be the most beloved member of the Chicago Cubs organization and Jack Brickhouse right behind him. Joe Buck with the Cardinals. Michael Kay with the New York Yankees. I'd even say John Sterling. John Sterling gets ragged a lot. John Sterling's a great guy, by the way. <laughs> John Sterling's one of those guys. If you ever have a chance to meet him, meet him. John Sterling's a great guy. But so often, they are there longer than anybody else in the organization, and they go through all the changes, and they can tell you not only about everything going on in the present, but with the past, and they can relate it. And they can relate it to you. And that's why whoever the Thunder decide that they're going to hire doesn't necessarily need to be just a reflection of what the organization wants them to be, and I understand that that's what a lot of teams want right now, but they need to be a reflection of the fans. So whoever that is, the fans come first, and every great play-by-play person will tell you that. It's all about the fans. It's not about them. Brian Davis was that guy, and whoever the Thunder hire next also needs to understand it's fans first, storytelling second, and then you're somewhere down the line 10th or so if you're making your hierarchy of how a play-by-play guy is supposed to be. That's why I will watch with great interest this hire and this move more than any that the Thunder will make this year. That wraps up this episode of the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. saying ELE, everybody love everybody, and peace, love, and thunder up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.